everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of History Creeps. I am one of your creeps, I guess. Uh, one of your creeps, Johnny Townsend. With me is another creep, uh, Chris Chavez. Yep. And a third creep happens to be joining us, the lovely creep, Carter Johnson. <laughs> thank, thank you for that. Thank you. You're welcome. No one, no one ever calls me lovely anymore. Yeah. And a creep in the same sentence. <laughs> That's ex- exactly. That's exactly. what I want if you're going to insult me, I would like a compliment along with the insult, is what I say. Back, yeah, nice backhanded compliment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure, 100%. Uh, and, and guys, this week uh, is a roundtable, so the Patreons, uh, if you go to Patreon slash History Creeps, you can get in on this. Uh, they picked the topic for this month. Yeah. They had a few to choose from. Uh, this one won overall. We had six vote voters on it. Uh, this one got the most votes. We're doing the Rendlesham Forest incident. It had been up for a debate before, uh, and no one had voted the first time, or maybe somebody had voted once. Uh, but this time, this one got the most votes. So we're talking about it. I, I Originally, I thought maybe we had talked about it before in the past, but I think maybe I think there was a different thing that had happened in England that we had talked about. I don't think it was this one. We may have mentioned it on that yeah, one. Yeah, I don't know if we went in-depth, but this is roundtable. Roundtable means... Uh, we're going to present the facts and just the facts, ma'am. Um, and then, <laughs> and then we just kind of go around and talk about it and discuss how we think, what we think and our thoughts on it and feelings and speculations and, and the such. Yeah. Who's dating who? Exactly. All the, all these beautiful things. What the, this is the tabloids. What the tweeter <laughs> said. <laughs> the tweeters are saying, uh, but yeah. yeah. So we're going to talk about Rendlesham Forest. Uh, so the incident that happened around Christmas 1980, it's probably one of the most remarkable UFO incidents on record. It has been dubbed the British Roswell, but in reality, it's probably a far more intriguing case. Like Roswell, the incident, uh, the, the Roswell incident, this one occurred close to several top secret military establishments, including two air bases. As such, the case profile couldn't be higher, yet getting at the truth has never been easy. I'm getting this off of the actual RendlesshamForestIncident.com website. So here's the deal. This is what happened. And I don't know if you know about this, but the Air Force that this this took place in back in 1980, uh, where the U.S. were using the Air Force out there in England, um, it was also home to like tons and tons of nuclear warheads. Uh, there yes. were all kinds of bunkers that were like steel, concrete, steel, concrete, layered bunkers of warheads where these things were kept. And that's the point to uh, we were there just in case when things went down, uh, we'd have the advantage from that particular location. We'd also have the nuclear warheads in, uh, you know, during the downtime when there was no war, we have guards that were out there guarding this. And one night uh, on December 26, 1980, Military personnel at the Woodbridge and Bentwater air bases in Suffolk, England, reported witnessing over the next couple of days strange lights in the sky and a triangular craft landing in Rendlesham Forest near the bases. So what had happened is the first night, December 26th, they see lights going down into the woods and uh, some of the men go out to check it out. Uh, one of the guys actually ends up touching what, what they they claim is this triangular-looking craft that's just sitting in the middle of the forest he reaches out and touches it it's completely smooth like glass uh but the thing is is he calls it a fabric it was a fabric made of glass uh with no lights but the lights were actually emanating from this fabric he said i want to ask you guys something real quick yeah all right let's say you're in this person's shoes right yeah 
and you see this thing and you're close enough to touch it, yes. do you touch it? Yes. I don't th- I don't think I do. I do. Well, there goes your hand. I have to. Well, I'll tell you, to be honest, I would touch it. It wouldn't be a big deal to me because I would have to know. I would have to know, am I really, is this real? Like, is this, is, am I crazy? And, and just think about that too. This is a once in a lifetime thing. If it's real and this is your first time, not just seeing it in the sky, you can touch it. You're really not going to try to touch it. I think, I think I've seen too many movies where the first person who goes in to touch it is the first person who's, uh, uh, horribly murdered and killed <laughs> i'm touching it say what i'm touching it you are that's what yeah. i say oh, yeah. that's what i I'm say every... that's what i say every night <laughs> <laughs> but yeah dude i would definitely go for that i would i wouldn't be afraid but this guy ends up touching it um I, let me see what his name was like i always forget his name uh sergeant jim peniston and he comes in later he's important because there's some crazy stuff that comes along with this but he touched it uh, he had a note, a little hand, you know, little notebook with him, and he was trying to like write down little notes about it, like what it looked like. He was trying to draw diagrams and, and sketch it out as quick as he could. He said there were certain glyphs along the front of it that he sketched those out. Um, all this weird stuff, and so these three guys are witnessing this thing, uh, and after he touches it, um, the thing just kind of takes off. It, it, it pulls up, moves erratically throughout the woods, and then takes off. And these guys are just blown away. They don't want to call in the incident because they didn't want to, it be recorded. They didn't want to have it on the on the actual radio waves. But so they drove, hightailed it back to base to tell their superiors, and the superiors are just kind of like, um, you know, what you saw was the lighthouse. Don't worry about it. You just saw a lighthouse, and these guys are like, "There's no possible way, right?" Yeah, that's going to come back to. Oh yeah. So yeah. the next night. Again, there's these lights happening again. And so these men actually go to get one of the officers. And they're like, this thing's returned. The thing's come back. Uh, The officer that they go grab, his name is Lieutenant Colonel Charles Halt. They they go and grab him and say, come on, you got to come out and take a look at this. And he goes out there with them. And he brings with him an, an audio recorder and a Geiger counter. One of the, the guys with him has a Geiger counter to check the, the levels of radiation. And he brings an audio recorder so that he can verbally you know, document what's happening. Uh, and so they go out there and they walk across the fields and past the, farmer, the farms and stuff. And they head out to the woods. And he talks about how you know, in the, late, out in the distance you can, you can see lights. Because he wants to see if, if, what, what these things are. Um, so they go out there and he wants to see where this thing landed. Uh, they go to the site and there's nothing there, but they do say that there's these slight impressions in the ground where you can, in a triangle section, you know, where you can see this, maybe like a tripod had landed. Uh, and I, I think they also say something about damage to some of the trees. Um, yeah. Yeah. But some of the trees and, and damage to the ground, like you could see where the environment had been affected. Yeah, and they also talk about little bursts on the Geiger counter the entire time. Here and there, there's little spikes of like radiation during this time. So during this time while he's doing this, he's actually recording this on audio. One of the guys that's with him says, you know, look, it, it, there, it's back. It, it's, it's back again. And you hear the guy, you hear this colonel, lieutenant colonel, uh, on the recording say, you know, there it is. There it is. And then they start to react to it. And that's the most fascinating thing about this case yes. is, is that there's an audio account of, of it happening when it happens in the middle because there's, there's a, the recording of his is about 17, 18 minutes long, uh, all the way up until his batteries die and, and, and it just kind of cuts out. 
But this entire time, he talks about walking across the field. He talks about, uh, you know, the forest. He talks about they. I think they use some sort of. Um, he calls it a sky scope. I think it has something to do with some infrared something that shows heat signature, because uh, on the recording he talks about flashing it on trees, and you can still see slight heat and signatures coming off the trees. Um, in the middle of this. This all goes down and the lights show up again. And he talks about how how far it looks and then how it comes. It starts coming towards them. And he tells them they want to go out. Let's go out to uh, the edge of the forest near the clearing so we can get a better view. And when they get out there, they notice that this thing kind of breaks out into all these different pieces. And these little like tiny balls of light just kind of go flying off on their own. Uh, And one of them comes towards them and literally a beam of light shoots down at their feet. Uh, it's said on the recording that it's a beam of light. It's the craziest sounding thing. Yeah. Then it says yeah. that it ha- it continues to like go off near the the army bases, shooting this beam of light straight down into where the bunkers are that all these nuclear warheads are kept. Isn't that crazy? The, this whole thing is wild, and uh, you can actually I think we're going to actually have the whole recording of everything he said at the end of this episode. Yes, stick around. So at the end of the show, yeah. when the music it's fascinating, yeah, it's when, beyond fascinating. When our theme music dies out, <laughs> stick around because I'm gonna I'm gonna play the entire thing so you guys can listen to it go down live the way the guy recorded it. Yeah, as Carter's over there turning into a werewolf. <laughs> uh, we're, uh, <laughs> uh, we're, <laughs> I keep uh, going in, in, in and out like I keep losing you guys, and then you come back and uh oh. Frustrating, yeah. It's the case. Yeah, it's very frustrating. There's a couple parts in that recording that are really, really fascinating. First thing you got to remember is who these men are. Uh, these are, if you want to uh, come up with credible witnesses, these guys are military. Um, they don't want to say something really stupid because their careers depend upon it. Yep. Uh, so uh, why they would make this up, I don't know. If you actually listen to the recording, and this is just my opinion. Uh, it all sounds real to me. I don't, it doesn't sound like anybody's acting in it. Uh, and on top of that, there's a couple parts like the beam of light is very fascinating that you've already um, uh, mentioned, Chris. Yeah. But the other part that really was fascinating to me is that he was describing the the object or whatever as that was coming towards them. Yeah. Or it was, it was kind of like going over the forest and pieces of it were falling off. Yep. So that I was like, what is going on here? That's what I'm saying. And I've heard of of people when they see UFOs or they see strange objects in the sky of reporting seeing other objects kind of fall away from it, kind of fly away from that. And that's what I think. I think maybe it was one of these like uh, uh, where it was dropping off um, reconnaissance, if you will. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Dropping off is like a, how the Empire does and the yeah. Empire strikes back at the very beginning. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So this whole thing goes down um, and it's crazy. Like, like I kind of glossed over a lot of what happened. Like if you go to the website, the RendlesshamForestIncident.com, there's a whole lot of information on it. Here they tell you a little bit more of what it, what it was like. They say that it was around 3 a.m. when this happened. Two military security patrol personnel saw the lights. Uh, when they got close enough, they, uh, according to the USAF halt memo below, they saw a strange glowing object. The object was triangular in shape, metallic, approximately three meters across and two meters in height. The whole forest was aglow with a white light. The UFO itself had a reddish light on top and blue lights on the bottom. It appears though it was hovering or possibly standing in the la- on landing equipment. 
As the men moved closer to the object, it maneuvered away from them. They also reported that nearby animals were in a frenzy. Also, if you listen to this recording, when Halt goes back the next day, the next evening, um, as they're going out there, he says, like, that, and I don't know if you, maybe if you turn it up, you can hear it in the background. But he says you can hear the animals in the farm nearby going yeah. crazy all of a sudden. And this is before and then the they lights get quiet show up. at one yes, point too, because then they get quiet and then the lights show up. It's creepy, dude. That's um, scary, man. <laughs> yeah, because they say animals are very sensitive to things. Yeah. Uh, so if a bunch of animals are going wild, you know something's going on, and then all of a sudden they get quiet, then that's that might be just as creepy as them all going wild all at once. All at once. To yeah. Me. I've got some things here for you. So the, on the site, uh, on that website, you can actually check out pictures of the guy's uh, notebook where he drew these glyphs yes. and, and designs. Um, they're pretty famous pictures. Yes. I think I've seen these before, and they're some of them are really weird. Uh, but then there's some quotes about uh, some of that are attributed to this guy, Jim Penniston. Like one of them was the des- description of the craft. So uh, what he says about the surface when he touches it, this is his quote. He says, quote, well, I think the fabric or the shell was, I guess the best description would be a very smooth, opaque, like black glass, even though at a distance it appeared metallic. It made no sense. Once I was up there close to it, it was more like black glass. I'm not sure. I was pretty confused at that point. And he talks about the symbols. He says, uh, that is probably the most interesting part of it. I did draw them into my notebook. That was part of the 360-degree examination we were doing on the investigation because it was not a downed craft at that point, but we knew we had something out of the ordinary. You don't mind if I look at my notes, do you? Uh, and then he reads what he says on his notes. This is exactly what he wrote. On this smooth exterior shell, there is writing of some kind. I'm not sure what it is. Size three inch lettering, maybe symbols that stretch for the length of two feet, maybe a little more. Isn't that weird? That's creepy. So that's very strange. So he touches these things um, and then he ends up later on in life going through like all kinds of little hypnosis under hypnosis to try to, you know, remember as much as he can. And he talks about touching it. He talks about writing in his notebook. But under hypnosis, he touches he talks about touching this thing. And all of a sudden, uh, all this binary code started just like shooting right into him, uh, into him. In a written statement, this is what he says, quote, The binary codes were a direct result of contact with a physical craft, the craft of unknown origin, meaning it was unidentified craft and where it came from is still unknown. The communications of the binary code was accomplished when I physically touched the craft's glyphs, which were located on the outside skin of the craft. It activated technology which is unknown to me and apparently to everyone else too. Technology then communicated a series of ones and zeros to me. The communication transfer was accomplished within minutes. There was an area of about 15 feet which surrounded the outside of the craft. This area I will call the bubble. For within the bubble, static electric pulse, uh, electricity pulsed upon my clothes, skin, and hair. Also an appearance of slowing of time. The air seemed dead, not transmitting any sound. The next day, while looking at my notebook, the glyphs in particular, I had the codes running through my head, so I wrote them down immediately. After finishing them, the codes were gone from my mind. So he takes this this binary code and goes and gets it translated. You guys want to know what it says? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like I need to ask, right? Right. <laughs> it says, Exploration of Humanity, 6668100. Then there's a coordinate, 52 point blah, blah, whatever this number is, north, and then another one at west. And then if you check it, 
it's it's um a, a little town in Brazil. Then it says continuous for planetary advance. Fourth coordinate continuous something that doesn't make sense here and then before and then there's 1 2 3 4 5 6 coordinates that follow. The first one is in Belize. The second one is in Sedona, Arizona. The third one is the Croat Pyramid in the Giza in Egypt. Uh, the next one is the Nazca Lines in Peru. Oh, that's fascinating to me. The next yep. one, yeah, well, so is the Great Pyramid and Sedona, Arizona. The next one is Tai Shan Ku in China. And then the last one is the Portara at the Temple of Apollo in Naxos, Greece. The next line says, Eyes of your eyes. And then the last, uh, it says origin, and then it says, again, the same uh, coordinates from the very beginning, Brazil. Underneath that, origin year 8100. Interesting. Huh. huh. So, this happens, right? Um, they go to report it, and the, and the military obviously is like, yeah, you're not going to say anything. You do, you're not going to say a word about this. Uh, you're going to write a report that says you saw some weird stuff. You couldn't explain it, but you're not going to write about any of this stuff. Uh, some of these guys talked about being interrogated. One of the guys said that he was brought into a room, and these two men uh, in dark suits basically intimidated him, saying, you know, you didn't see anything. What you saw was a lighthouse. He said, no, that was not a lighthouse flying around. I didn't touch a lighthouse with glyphs. And he's, the guy looked at him and said, you know bullets are cheap. And he said, I saw a lighthouse. The, this this is one of the things uh, Men in Black. This is, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but in all fairness though, and this is this to me, this is still one of my favorite UFO cases, so I'm not trying to yeah. down on it anyway. But let's say somebody had told me that bullets are cheap, I never would have talked about it ever. Yeah. And it's and these all these guys talk about this all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Well, it, it was only because of a whistleblower. They weren't going to talk about it. Years and years and years had gone by. Uh, but then um, one of the guys, one of the guys that was uh, part of the security detail on the very first night, uh, came out and said this happened. I, I it was it was like the like late late nineties maybe or or into maybe early two thousands. He came out and said that you know. Uh, that that this happened. It wasn't a joke, and um, oh, I wish I could remember his name now. I can't remember his name, but uh, but he just said, you know, that this all happened, and the reason he wanted to do it was because he knew it happened. He knew that the military was trying to cover it up, and he wanted to make them deal with it, like literally bring it out to the forefront and make them deal with it. Um, so it was. He said that he saw he saw some weird stuff. He said when he all those lights went down and those three guys went to go check out the craft, that he went to go check out see what was happening also, um, and saw the three guys standing around the craft. That the craft was glowing, and within the glow, he saw the three guys plus three other like little beings kind of standing with the guys, and the guys weren't moving; they were just kind of frozen. Uh. The other three guys said that didn't happen there. That's not their memory. Uh, but this guy, uh, number four, said he did see that, and that's why this all came out. Um, because originally the, the other guys weren't going to say a word. The original, you know, all the men that were involved, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Holt, all of them. I, I believe that he wrote his affidavit is is very, um, you know, it's it's 
it's it just basically covers up a lot of the stuff that that happened uh during this whole time there's a it's, it's a lot of stuff where they're just like okay what's going on why are they trying to cover this up why don't they just say yes yeah, some weird stuff went down we need to look into it yeah it's a lot of the um a lot of the explanations to me that people try to offer don't make sense yeah with what you're told uh they don't add up like the lighthouse thing just sounds ridiculous to me yeah because there's uh, a lighthouse apparently out there but like yeah, it's I mean, yeah. There is a lighthouse out there, like you said. There is, but a those men are stationed there, so they've seen that lighthouse a million times. I would assume uh, they would know what it is. Yeah, uh, you think? Uh, yeah, uh, and I've heard yeah. other explanations too, they like where uh, it is. They would know where it is too. Yeah, yeah, and it's not going to move. A lighthouse's lights kind of are going to go where they're going to go always. Exactly. Yeah. Um, like. Yeah. There's a couple other explanations that I read that. Uh, you know, there there are times where I think, I think it's good to be in the middle. You don't need to be a complete skeptic, and you also don't need to be, be a, a complete believer. You need to be able to take both sides of something and then make your own decision, and not be completely closed off to either side. Right. Uh, with that being said, uh, there are many times where believers are very over anxious with their things, and they can push stuff. But there's also times where skeptics can be overly, overly skeptical, and they're and their uh, options or or their uh, explanations just don't add up or make sense. Right. And to me, that's this case here because everything that I see just doesn't make sense to me. Like their explanations are like I heard I, I read everything from uh, the the lighthouse, like we said, to uh, some star being really star. bright that night. <laughs> so I yeah. saw a star. I'm like, come on. Yeah, guys. that's ridiculous. A star doesn't beam a light down. Um, <laughs> And to uh, there's all kinds of different ones uh, that that I've heard that I'm like, look, I'm open to you telling me that it's something else, but make it something that it makes sense with the stuff that I'm told. Yeah, I'll tell you what. For me, the most damning evidence is the actual audio recording because you're listening yeah. to a guy who he's professional. He's he's be, he's being a a, yes. a soldier and he's going out there and he's investigating and he's being meticulous and he's being scientific and he wants numbers and he wants information and it's all being documented and then all of a sudden he loses it. You lose you, not that he loses it and goes crazy. I'm saying you hear the professionalism go away in terms of oh my gosh, like, holy cow, like, he can't believe what he's seeing, and he's and he's saying, it's coming at us, can you look at that, you know what I'm saying, not say, it's yeah. crazy, because you hear that, you hear the human part come out, it's no longer about being the soldier and making sure I'm crossing my T's and dotting my I's, now it's about, holy cow, I'm a human, and in real life, I'm being presented with the fact that aliens are real, or something's real, what is this? Yeah, yeah, uh, and there's plenty of times in that recording where most of the time, I'd say almost all the time, he's being very uh, professional and soldier-like. I, yeah. I don't know how else to explain it. But <laughs> uh, but there's a couple moments where actually you can actually hear, if you really listen, the slight bit of worry that he gets. Um, uh, like he never, never, ever overacts, and you can tell that he's trying to stay calm. But there's like a couple points where like one time he says, when they're talking about the light, he goes, uh, he, I can't remember his exact language that he used, but pretty much telling them they need to turn their flashlights off. Yeah, and I'm like, man, that's if you think about being in that situation, and he's probably just concerned about his and his men's safety at that yeah, point. Like, yeah, yeah, you don't know what yeah. this thing is. Let's not let them know that we know that it's here, type of thing. Then all of a sudden, that beam of light shoots straight down at their feet, and like how, like I that would freak me out. I don't know that I would reach out and put my hand in the light. <laughs> 
Yeah, uh, yeah I don't know if I'd do that either. Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> but it's, that's why all those cows are freaking out. They're getting beamed up. It's really crazy, dude. Check out the website, the Rendlesham Forest Incident dot com. There's all kinds of stuff, dude. They've got links to the different hypnosis sessions that some of those officers uh like here's one of them. Um, John Burroughs was one of the, the three men who went out there um, to, and actually saw the, the craft. Um, and this is his I'm just going to do a real quick thing here of, of part of what's going on. And so this this hypnosis section took place. Uh, hypnotherapist was Melinda Vale. Date, October 4th, 2008. Location, Tempe, Arizona. Uh, this is what he says. Quote, we three of us went. Who went? Jim, I and a guy called Cabanas, Cabansag. Staff Sergeant James Penniston was duty supervisor and drove to the East Gate in a truck that new, with newly assigned airman, first class Edward Cabansang. Oh, here. And then it tells me how to pronounce it. Kavansak. Uh, Who was driving at this time? Jim. Where were you? Front or back? It was a three-pack. So I was by the door and the other guy, Kavansang, was in the middle. I think I've seen this same movie on Cinemax late at night. Okay, when you got to the end of the road, did you get out? Well, we turned, went to another road, and went to the forest. Oh, are you in the forest now? Oh, I, I think so. What's in the forest? It's dark. Are there any lights? They are there, I think, in the distance. Let's see what happened. John's whole body jerks. Oh, no. That light said no. I know, but we can see anyway. The light is not in charge. We're in charge. <laughs> yeah, right. He's, that's crazy. He says that. He says that sarcastically. Isn't that creepy? We are in, we are in charge and see. And see. Uh, you can feel my hand. I've got you. You are safe. It's not about being safe. What's it about? I don't know, but I don't feel scared. But every time you want me to go there, that light says no. Are there any lights? They are there, I think, in the distance. Isn't that creepy? That's very yeah, creepy. That's, that's... Oh, dude, you got the light says you guys no. are gonna have to go check it out. Check out the website and check out the the, the transcript of, of of his uh his thing. It's creepy, dude. The lights coming at you, the little ones. What does it feel like when they come at you? It startles me, breathing hard. Oh God. You're all right. I've got you. What else do you see there? Just a huge, now it's getting bigger and bigger, like milky white object of s substance that just keeps going up and down wider. Yeah, this smaller. is Cinemax over and over again here. <laughs> Dude, it's really cool. This website's got a lot of crazy stuff, a lot of the different like pictures and things that go along with it. Like I said, at the end of the show, I'm going to play the uh, the audio here. But So overall, what do you guys think about this? What What are your thoughts on this? In my opinion, this is, I've said it before, this is one of the more credible uh, witness accounts. Mm -hmm. uh, this one, to me, is is beyond wild and crazy. And I would put this one above uh, a lot of other cases that people always talk about. Uh, this one's pretty incredible, in my opinion. Uh, the, the questions I would have, and I couldn't find them anywhere, is this forest, is it kind of out secluded by itself? Are there any houses and stuff nearby? that uh, Farms. Okay, and I was just wondering if anybody else besides the soldiers reported any of that was my question. Um, I, you know what? I don't know, to be honest. I didn't look into that part of it. Um, farmer accounts? Or just anybody. You know, usually if it's something that's going on like that, 
uh, if I'm walking outside my farm, I'm pretty sure I would. Of course, it was in the middle of the night, too. Like you said, it was 3 a.m., so that might have something to do with it. I don't know. Yeah, anybody that's not the, – exactly, everybody's probably sleeping. I was going to say, is there anybody that's not uh, military that has come out about it? But everything I see, is it's all military. People who and although that makes it less it. credible because it was in the middle of the night. But, yeah. You know. Interesting. Yeah, I'm with you, dude. For me, this is probably one of the most credible ones. Like I said, the audio for me helps it. Uh, and then when you read some of these other things, like the 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 hypno hypnotherapy sessions and and some of the stuff that comes out out from the uh, from when they they put these people under, it's crazy, dude. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. What do you think, Carter? Well, I gotta agree with you guys. I mean, because we, you know, whenever we bring up stuff like this, you know, it's it it always seems a little bit more credible. Uh, depending on the witnesses. And I I agree with you, Johnny. There's no reason for these guys to come out and say, oh, yeah, I saw this. You know, if it's not true, because you're going to... It's one thing for you and I to say it. I mean, we don't have anything to... You know, we don't have anything to worry about. Yeah, our, our, career, goes. Yeah, our careers and livelihood won't be affected by it. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. And theirs would be in a in a huge way. Yeah, it's just like uh, they always say pilots uh, rarely ever report strange things because uh, they're afraid of what will happen to their career. And it was and and that one's such a cliche that it's in Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Yeah. You know, so uh, I, I, I'm with you. I would want to see if there was any anybody else, any civilians maybe, or any of the nearby farmers, or maybe even somebody just driving past the forest on a highway or something that 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 saw anything or heard anything or cuz you know when you're driving down the road you know you can you can usually hear animal sounds if it's at night even if you've got the windows up you know so it seems to me if somebody was driving down the road and they heard nothing i mean i would be scared but i would still stop like you know what's What's going on? Why is there no sound? Yeah. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. But like like we said, this was like 3 a.m. in the middle of the night. So uh, part of me kind of thinks that if this is all farms and stuff down there, then most of these farmers are going to be dead asleep because they're going to need to be up in like an hour or two. <laughs> so uh, yeah. I don't know. But then again, if all my animals are going crazy, uh, I would think they would wake me up and I would go see what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. Strange, strange. So yeah, uh, we'll leave it to you guys. You guys can check out the website as well. It's a pretty cool story. Uh, but we're gonna go ahead and play the audio at the end of the show here. But before we do that, I just want to check with you guys. Anything else you want to say before on this incident before we head out? No, this is one of my favorite ones. This one in the Phoenix Lights, I really love. But I'm oh, glad we're talking oh, we about gotta, it. We got to do that. Phoenix yeah. Lights is very interesting. Oh, uh, what's the other one? The other one I like is there's one that's very famous about, uh, and it's got like five or six different counties uh, of police officers that all chased it. And oh, it's yeah. Very, yeah. Very yeah, famous. I know the one you're talking about. Wasn't it in Kentucky or somewhere like it that? Was, yeah, it's very, I, I can't yeah. remember, Ohio or Kentucky or something like that. But yeah, that's a very cool one too. But anyway, all right, guys. So if you're uh, interested, check out the website. Stick around at the very end of the show, at the end of our theme music playing out. We're going to play the audio of Lieutenant Colonel Halt during the enti- the time he's investigating uh, and then more lights show up. So listen to it, see what you think. Comment on our Facebook page and let us know what you think of that uh, of this episode and what your thoughts are on the recording. Does it seem real? Does it seem like a hoax, like it's staged? Tell us what you think. 
if you're not a patron yet and you want to become one, head over to patreon.com, History Creeps, check us out, and uh, yeah, be a part of the Creeper Club. Get some fun. Get some extra episodes like one that's dropping tonight as well. That's right. That's right. If you want to figure out what our, uh, or find out even, what our favorite monsters are, that's the only way to do it. There you go. It is. That's the only way. And if you want to have a say in the next roundtable episode, that's the only way as well. So check it out on Patreon. Uh, Again, we have a Facebook page. Other than that, for Carter Johnson, for Johnny Townsend, this is Chris Chavez. Once again, thank you so much for listening and stay creepy.
blasted or scrubbed up area here. We've got very positive rains. Let's see, is that near the center? Yes, it is. This is what we would assume would be the dead center. Just so. picking up more as you go along the whole area here now. Up to seven tenths. Or seven seven units, let's call it on the point five scale. Okay, why don't we do this? Why don't we make a sweep? Here, I've got my gloves on now. Let's make a sweep out around the whole area, about 10 foot out, and make a perimeter run around it, starting right back here at the corner, right back at the same first corner where we came in. Let's go right back here. Don't let the pendulum on you count the clicks. Okay, let's start it. Then I can put the light on it and sweep around it. It would fly. Ground. 
a round abrasion on the tree about uh, three and a half, four inches in diameter. It looks like it might be old, but uh, strange as a crystalline pine sap has come out that fast. You see those other trees here that are damaged in a similar fashion? Yes, Okay, why don't you take a picture of that and remember your picture. And you got to be writing this down. Well, it's going to be on the tape. I've got a tape measure with you. This is the picture. Your first picture will be at the first tree. The one between uh, Mark 2 and 3. Meantime, I'm going to look at a couple of these trees over here. We are getting some. You're getting rains on the tree you've taken samples from on the side facing the suspected landing site. Four clicks, Max. Up to four. Interesting. That's right where you're taking the sample now. Four. That's the strongest point on the tree? Yes, sir. If you come to the back, there's no clicks whatsoever. No clicks at all on the back. It's all on the Maybe side facing the... Interesting. The indentations look like something twisted as it got, you know, as it sat down on them. Looks like someone took something and sat it down and twisted it from side to side. Mm -hmm. Very strange. We're looking at the same tree we took the sample off with this, what do you call it, star scope? Uh huh, star scope. Getting, getting a definite heat reflection off the tree, about, about three to four feet off the ground? Yes, where the, the same spot is. It's same place where the spot is. We're getting a heat. spot on the tree directly behind us. I picked up the same thing. Right. Uh, three trees in the area, immediately adjacent to the site, within 10 feet of the suspected landing site. We're picking up heat reflection off the trees. What's that again? Well, shine a light on again, Bob. Well, you have trouble hearing me. Get the light on the spot, and then when you want them, okay, turn the light on. Light, you'll notice the white. Uh, let me turn around and look at this tree over here now. Just a second. Why don't you push right on the tree? I can see it. Wait a minute. Give me a little side lighting so I can find the tree. Okay. Off. I lost the tree. Okay. Stop. Stop. Light off. Hey, this is eerie. This is strange. Here, someone want to look at the spots in the ground? Whoops, watch your nose. We're walking all over the park. Yes, sir. Okay, let's, let's step back and not walk all over it. Come back here, somebody put a beam on them. Well, you're going to have to be back 10 or 15 feet. You see it? Okay, lights off. What do you think about the spot? Right over here. Right here. You see it? 
Okay, get focused on it. Tell me when. Okay. Lights on. Let's see if we get on it. Just a slight increase. Try to center. The center spot. It really isn't center. It's slightly off center. It's right there. Okay. We've got to get your reading on it right there. Tell me when you're ready. Okay, lights out. This is the center spot we're looking at now. We're almost the center. Slight increase there. This is slightly off center toward the uh, one two side. It's a, some type of an abrasion or something in the ground where the pine needles are all pushed back and where we get a high radiact or high uh, reading about uh, deflection of uh, two to three, maybe four, depending on the point on it. Yes. So there's a positive after effect? Yes, there is definitely. That's on the center spot. There is an after effect. What does that mean? When the lights are turned off, once we are focused in, it'll allow time for the eyes to adjust. We are getting an indication of a heat source coming out of that center spot, as, uh, which will show up on a Heat or some form of energy. It's hardly heat at this stage of the game. Looking directly overhead, one can see an opening in the trees, plus some freshly uh, broken pine branches on the ground underneath. Looks like some of them came off about 15 to 20 feet up. Some small branches about an inch or less in diameter. Zero 148, we're hearing very strange sounds out of the farmer's barnyard animals. They're very, very active, making an awful lot of noise. This is a pigmentation. You just saw a light yes, where? Wait, I'm going to slow down. Where? Right at this position here, straight ahead, in between the tree. There it is again. Watch, straight ahead off my flash right there, yeah, sir. There it is. Oh, yeah, I see it, too. What is it? We don't know, sir. So, yeah, can I guess what we're going Yeah, it's a strange, small red light. Looks to be out maybe a quarter to half mile, maybe further out. I'm going to switch off. The light is gone now. It was approximately 120 degrees from back the site. Again. Is it back again? Yes, sir. Oh, that's the flashlight, sir. Let's move out to the edge of the clearing so we can get a better look at it. See if you can get the star scope on it. The light's still there, and all the barnyard animals have gotten quiet now. Yeah, we're heading about 110 to 120 degrees from the site out through to the clearing now. Still getting a reading on the meter, about two clicks. Meter's jumped three to four clicks, getting stronger. Now it's, uh, now it's coming up. Hold up, there we go. It's about approximately four foot off the ground. It's coming to 110 degrees. Alright, just turn the meter off. You gotta say that again. About four feet off the ground, about 110 degrees, getting a reading of about four clicks. Yes, sir. Yeah, but it's good. No, it's dying. No, it's not. I think it's something other than the ground. I think it's something that's something variable here. tree right over. We just frightened the first night bird we've seen. We're about 150 or 200 yards from the site. Everything else is just deathly calm. There's no doubt about it. There's some type of strange flashing red light ahead. There's yellow. I saw a yellow tinge in it, too. Weird. It, it appears to be maybe moving a little bit this way. It's, it's brighter than it has been. Yellow. It's coming this way. It is definitely coming this way. Pieces of it are shooting off. There is no doubt about it. This is weird. Yeah, definitely moving off. Two, two lights. Two one right. light to the front, okay. one light to the left. Keep the flashlights off. There's something very, very strange. Get the headset on to see if it gets any stronger. Okay. 
Give us, give us a rundown. No notation of this is on the beta reading, too. It's on the beta reading? Beta okay. still has been removed. Okay. This is we're falling off it again. But it just moved to the right. Yeah. Off the right. Strange. Oh, well, why don't you get Let's approach to the edge of the woods up there. Can you want to do without lights? Let's do it carefully. Come on. Okay, we're looking at the thing. We're probably about two to three hundred yards away. It looks like an eye winking at you. It's still moving from side to side. And when you put the star scope on it, it, it sort of has a hollow center, a dark center. It's, it's you know, like a pupil of an eye looking at you and winking. And the flash is so bright to the star scope that uh, it almost burns your eye. Last the farmer's house and across in the next field. Now we have multiple sightings of up to five lights with a similar shape and all, but they seem to be steady now rather than a pulsating or glow with a red flash. We just crossed the, the creek and uh, we're getting what kind of readings? Getting through three good clicks on the meter and we're seeing strange lights in the sky. Uh, 244, we're at the far side of the farmer's second farmer's field and made sighting again about 110 degrees. This looks like it's clear off to the coast. It's right on the horizon. Moves about a bit and flashes from time to time. Still steady or red in color. Also, after negative readings in the center of the field, we're picking up uh, slight readings, uh, four or five clicks now on the meter. 3.05, we see strange uh, strobe-like flashes to the uh, rather sporadic, but there's definitely something uh, some kind of phenomenal. 305, at about uh, 10 degrees horizon, uh, directly north, we've got two strange objects, uh, half moon shape, dancing about with colored lights on them. That uh, gets to be about 5 to 10 miles out, maybe less. The half moons have now turned into full circles. As though there was an eclipse or something there for a minute or two. 0315, now we've got an object about 10 degrees directly south, 10 degrees off the horizon. And the ones in the north are moving, one's moving away from us. Moving out fast. Yeah, we're both heading north. Okay, here, here, he comes from the south. He's coming toward us now. Now we're observing what appears to be a beam coming down to the ground. This is unreal. 330 and the objects are still in the sky, although the one to the south looks like it's losing a little bit of altitude. We're turning around and heading back toward uh, the base. The object, to the, the object to the south is still beaming down lights to the ground. Zero four hundred hours, one object still hovering over Woodbridge Base at about 5 to 10 degrees off the horizon, still moving erratic and similar lights and beaming down earlier.